The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in, folks, here on Big Blue Views Audio Lineup. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, as always, recording on a Monday, coming at you on a Tuesday with the film breakdown and reaction show. Today, we are discussing the Giants' victory over the Las Vegas Raiders, 23-16, the third win of the season for the Giants, as they are now 3-6, heading into their bye week. And then they believe the next game after that will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we'll have some content coming at you that is a little bit more overarching as we've kind of done a few times this season. But uh, three wins under their belt lets us be maybe a little bit more optimistic than we were at the beginning of the season. But nonetheless, still trying to remain as realistic as possible. And Chris, speaking on being realistic, I I think that one thing that the Giants fans and anyone can take away from this is that if the Giants are going to win football games, any more games this year, it is going to be reminiscent of what we saw yesterday, which is a really, really strong defensive performance and the offense just doing enough to kind of keep them in the ball game. And I know that's not sexy. And I know that that is also uh, very nerve wracking, but if they do happen to pull out more wins and maybe sneak past a couple teams that aren't really expecting a really hard-fought battle from the Giants, it's going to be the result of a really, really good defensive day. Yeah, the the Giants are going to have to win ugly. They are really not in a place where they can keep up with and just outright beat a team that plays a complete game. Uh, The Giants just... well, I think we'll get into this in a little bit, but their offense isn't in a place where they can just go out and score at will, you know, drive the ball down the field and punch it into the end zone. Yeah, they're going to have to rely on their defense, yeah, you know, doing like they did get do, doing like they did against the Raiders and forcing field goals, forcing mistakes, taking advantage of unforced errors, and then. Like you said, the offense doing just enough. Uh, Overall, I think Buddy Ryan really approves of (laughs) the way this Giants team has to go about winning games. Yeah, any defensive-minded coach is is salivating over the results that the Giants have put out there. But uh, uh, frustrating still to watch as the Giants are 
fighting in these games, not really much offensive production, but putting together some really, really strong defensive, uh, huge defensive plays that, that were able to help them get this victory. And we're going to unpack that on today's episode. So, Chris, the one thing that stood out offensively in this game plan, and I know that they weren't very productive and they only scored 16 points uh, of offensive production. The thing that stands out in the play calling and the decision making was to get the ball in Devontae Booker's hands and Evan Ingram's hands. Devontae Booker rushes for almost 100 yards. Evan Ingram has that long 30-yard touchdown reception. And heck, I'd even thrown there they were trying to work Eli Penny in, who had some really, really good carries. No personal fouls this week, but or not personal fouls, taunting calls, rather. <laughs> um, but still, a, a commitment to run the ball and to get the ball to Evan Ingram after the possibility of him being traded, as we always float that out there. Yeah. That was a really interesting approach because it's something that we haven't really necessarily seen so far this year. Yeah, it it was something we noted in our prep for the game where if you're going to attack the Raiders, you want to use your running game to take advantage of what is really a weak run defense, you know, between them just not having guys who are stout up front outside of Jonathan Hankins and playing, you know, that kind of classic Rod Marinelli wide nine uh, defensive front, which gives a ton of advantages to their pass rushers, but leaves open some pretty big alleys for the, running game to take advantage of and with the Giants defense really keeping this game close forcing those mistakes taking advantage of those mistakes on the Raiders offense the Giants were able to lean into their running game you know they never had to abandon it and like you said credit to Eli Penny because when Devontae Booker went down in the fourth quarter the Giants only had their fullbacks remaining as their backfield depth. And Eli Penny has shown, even going back to the preseason, that he is a capable ball carrier. He is a guy you can hand the ball to and not have to worry that he's only going to get two yards because he's just a lumbering fullback who doesn't know what to do with his hands. Yeah, yeah, certainly a lumbering fullback's a interesting way to phrase that. No, but uh, you did see this, this more of a willingness, though, to get the ball to these guys and... I, I can't really say that it's it's something that you can go back to and, and use again because it didn't really produce a, enough scoring output for it to be a, you know a strong enough victory, but it did help them maintain a lead and stay close in this game from some of those big plays that they were able to get. I almost wonder if maybe if they continue to, to try and run the ball more, it, it'll at least allow for them to build more offensive continuity uh, like we saw that happen last year with with Saquon out and then Wayne Gallman started go getting going and he had some big games and Saquon's probably going to be back soon after the bye week but I, I wonder if maybe we'll get more than 25 total rushing attempts uh from the running backs and instead we'll start to get closer to 30 because that stuff's starting to work a little bit better than than throwing the football yeah well I, I think we'll just have to see what adjustments they make after the bye week uh yeah I'm not sure leaning on the run game is really going to work too well against the Buccaneers because they happen to have one of the best defensive fronts in the whole NFL with a really good defensive line left to right, a good linebacking core. Uh, but after that, you know, maybe against the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Bears, the Dolphins, leaning into that run game might just be the way forward for the Giants. You know, that tends not to lead to a whole lot of scoring. But if the 
defense can, can, can keep containing opposing offenses, that's a way you can win or at least put yourself in position to where you can win. Yeah, putting yourself in a position to win is something that does not really happen often uh, with this Giants offense. Um, but one thing, uh, you know, you, you wrote this into our notes, and I think it's a really, really good point that the passing offense has um, almost become non-existent since the uh, the Rams game. It's it's completely, um, in the way you described it, gone into a shell. Everything has become super closed down, and we saw a ton of that in this game. And I talked about it a little bit on the post-game live stream. They were almost daring Daniel Jones to to hit some of these these deeper passes by playing super up and close to the line of scrimmage, but he was still hitting all these like short drag routes and stuff like that. And I, I just I'm a little bit perplexed why they're not at least trying to take some shots. And I understand that it's partially probably motivated by the offensive line, but you'd think at some point that they have to try and stretch the field and maybe risk um, taking taking a sack, which they're already doing on these short plays. Yeah, I think it's probably a, a few factors coming together. I went back and actually looked at uh, Daniel Jones's passing charts on NFL Next Gen Stats going back to the Carolina game and also the Cowboys and Rams games. Now, Jones did not play well in either of those games against the Cowboys or the Rams. Uh, by my count, he threw about seven interceptable passes in a total of six quarters. And I think... You know, we've seen over in previous seasons how when he would start to get to be a little bit too careless with the ball, the Giants would shrink the offense back down and get back to you know less than 10 yards, quick reads, things like that to be a lot safer with the ball. But then also you have all the injuries the Giants have had with wide receivers, all the struggles they have had with pass protection. And I think kind of all of that together where they don't want to put too much on Jones's plate, where they don't want to put the offensive line under too much stress, and they don't want to ask too much of receivers who are either dealing with injury or just backup guys who they don't ever really want to see on the field. And it it seems like it's all of these factors kind of conspiring to where we see yeah, a Against the Panthers, the Giants' average pass, intended pass, was six yards downfield. Against Kansas City, that dropped to about four and a half. And against the Raiders, it was only about three and a half. And the average completion went from about 3.8 yards downfield to three and a half yards downfield to 3.3 yards downfield in this in this latest game. And really this is going a little bit more into the analytics side of things, but when you start shutting down your passing attack like that, you have a very low chance of your drives ending in scores. Like we, we talk about death by a thousand cuts, but you know, when, like we saw with the giants defense is able to do by limiting Derek Carr to a lot of those short underneath passes, it, it allows the defense to just start playing downhill and the offense really just winds up spinning its wheels. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to describe it is seeing how things played out for the Raiders. And, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it was really only short dump off type throws that Derek Carr was making in this game. And the, the big pickups that he had were because it was run after the catch. It was stuff that was caught near the line of scrimmage. 
and they were able to pick up some chunk plays, but it it started to wear down the offense to an extent where they just they weren't able to produce. They weren't able to score. It took them forever to get downfield. It, it wasn't producing what they're typically used to, which is being able to stretch things out a little bit. They didn't have Henry Ruggs. I'm, cer- I'm certain that is a, a major factor in the inability to do that. They just got the Sean Jackson, which is definitely going to help with them being able to hit over top. But as we're seeing right now with the Giants, it, that constant approach of trying to hit all this short stuff, it, it, it is going to cause some problems down the line. And, and I know I was leading into the beginning of the, the, the show saying that if the Giants continue to win, we need to get used to them having this approach of not really doing much on offense and playing really good defensively. But if you want to at least help your defense a little bit and so they don't have to freaking do everything, they have to to, to try something different in, in, in terms of their, their approach because those super short passing attempts, those really short routes, it, it's, it's just going to do the same thing every single game, which is 16 to 17 offensive points a game. Yeah, pretty much. And it, it looks great to have the 75% completions, but when you're only completing like, you know, five yards a pass or even less, it, those plays don't really mean a whole hell of a lot as far as the offense is concerned. You know, like the basically your chances of the, that drive ending in points almost triple when you're, when you start reaching beyond 10 yards downfield. And yes, the giants have a lot of issues with their pass protection, the offensive mm-hmm. line and with their wide receivers. You know, I, I ha- kind of have to ask exactly how healthy Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony were. I mean, Tony was re- was only targeted once and he was really used more on gadget plays than as a receiver. And we, we saw that early in the season and yeah. You know, this was kind of an instance where the Giants could have used him. So did they worry about him catching the ball because of that thumb injury? Uh, was Galladay still slowed by that knee injury? But overall, the, the Giants need to figure out a way to push the ball further down the field. And that doesn't mean five or t- seven step drops, but you can use some rollouts. You can use some use more play action. Or just ask receivers to run 10 or 12 yards down the field. These guys are fast. Even slow mm-hmm. wide receivers are still fast. You know, it doesn't take five seconds to run 10 yards. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The other thing that goes in line with that, and I can understand if that was, you know, this is the game plan and stuff like that, and you're trying to stick to it. But at a certain point, when you realize an opposing defense is 
only defending one type of a play, at what point do you say, hey, maybe let's try to counter with something that they're not expecting? And the way that they counter with that unexpected play is by running the, the freaking gadget plays, which they've run to death. They can't run them anymore. They're done. They've run. They've <laughs> don't run don't tell Jason Garrett he can't not run more gadget plays. <laughs> but, but he's run like four or five a game, and it's, I know. it's week nine. So like we're at this point, like, okay, hey, K. Jason, how many more are you going to run? Because everybody knows that, that we're going to run these. It just. I just want to see a couple shots and I don't, uh, you know, we didn't really get them a lot from John Ross or any of those guys, but just, we, we got that against Kansas city where they ran a deep shot and, and John Ross made a race, a nice uh, contested catch. Like we just need to do more of that. It'll open things up. But when you're just constantly throwing freaking drag routes to, to Kyle Rudolph, of course you're going to have 110 yards passing. It's, it's the same thing's going to happen every week. Yeah. It, you cannot make it too easy for the defense. If they can, basically shut down your passing game by having one deep safety and you are so afraid of either your pass protection collapsing completely or the ball just being put into harm's way. Why even bother playing offense at that point? Right, exactly. Why? But just go out and punt. Just go punt, give the ball back and let the defense score the touchdowns for you. Apparently Uh, speaking of the defense though, Chris, this defense uh, had a really really strong day and the one thing I want to I want to lead in with uh, something I didn't really acknowledge until afterwards O'Shane Zimenez was a healthy scratch in this one and Quincy Roche the rookie edge rusher who they poached from the Steelers off of waivers um, had a huge performance not a was not like completely perfect um, because he's still a rookie but that sack fumble that he had was critical for the outcome of this game. And it, it's gotten to a point where, you know, we I think we might be done with the O'Shane Zimenez experiment. But I think it's 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 good to see that the that there is a more of a commitment to just get guys onto the field and let them go out there and learn and develop and make plays instead of just kind of letting these guys that were drafted highly that were supposed to be um, high impact players and then didn't really develop instead of just forcing those guys out there and they completely crap the bed every time. I'd rather see more of the Quincy Rochers getting those opportunities and then making plays. And then that for me provides more optimism than seeing O'Shane Zimenez get blocked on every single pass rush attempt. Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, it's kind of it's getting real, real, real old to see Giants third round picks just not blossom or materialize into anything. You know, I think a lot of us thought maybe we'd see, we would have seen the end of that with the firing of Jerry Reese, but uh, yeah, Sam Beal played one snap for the giants this past week. And I think this is the first time he'd been active. I I don't remember him being active before this. I could be wrong. Uh, O'Shane Zimenez, another third round pick, healthy scratch. BJ Hill was, dealt for Billy Price, another third another third round pick gone. And Lorenzo Carter, who, you know, I have to imagine he's kind of at the end of his rope with the Giants as well, uh, between his ruptured Achilles and now an ankle injury, which, you know, could that be a compensation injury? I don't know. But even when he's on the field, he hasn't really been an impact player, certainly not with the kind of impact we expected him to have with his athleticism. So it's good the Giants are getting guys like Roche, who I still can't believe is a Giant. <laughs> I, the, the, 
this is going to be one of the things I keep going back to with teams just not outsmarting themselves because first off, he never should have fell, uh, fallen to the sixth round. He, the Steelers had to know he was a player, not a guy they could try to get clever and stash on their practice squad. So, you know, thank you, Pittsburgh, and well done, Giants, for having the foresight to pick him up. And also, you know, Ellerson Smith getting activated. I have to imagine he's going to be getting onto the field more after the bye week. So hopefully these young guys will get out there and develop. If the Giants could manage to get three rookie pass rushers to develop in one season— you know, whatever else happens with, with the rest of this year, even if they don't win another game, I would have to take that as a win for the year. Yeah, Roche could end up developing into uh, a total steal just from the premise of a guy who late draft pick fell, uh, was in the process of being pushed to a practice squad and the Giants come in and poach him. That That to me is an absolute steal. Even if he doesn't really progress more than we've seen him already do. I, I think that his results have been fantastic um, as a guy that went through all that during this this pre-draft process. And he could probably turn into like a really nice rotational guy and, and working within the group, somebody that the Giants have been desperately needing. Um, so it's exciting to see Quincy Roche doing some of that stuff. So the, the one thing that we talked about a little bit during the post-game show and because we had some time to look back at it, I want to unpack a little bit more the the defensive strategy that Patrick Graham had because what he did I thought was was really really smart. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we've seen him do already, but going against a team that likes to throw past the sticks, um, tries to get big chunk plays in order to get things moving because the run game does not work that effectively. The approach in this game was to basically leave a lot of space between the line of scrimmage and the first down marker and drop into coverage and create some confusion on where guys were dropping and where they were going. And that led to Derek Carr kind of hesitating, not really having anyone to go to and doing a lot of dump offs, getting the ball to his running backs. And they were picking up some, some good chunks here and there. But then you also had the instances where you kind of saw Derek Carr getting a little frustrated. And that was when he started to push the ball into these really tight spots that it wasn't really going to fit. It wasn't really going to work. And that's what led to those two interceptions where he was getting super aggressive. And he's like, you know what? Screw this. We're going to make a play despite them coming out in these coverages. But that was the approach that Patrick Graham went with. And I, and I thought that it was really, really well uh, drawn up. Yeah. And I think you could even see that from the giant snap counts. Only one front seven player played all of the snaps. And that was Tay Crowder. And in fact, for the most part, the Giants were playing out of a nickel alignment. I think they played something like two-thirds of their snaps out of a nickel or dime alignment. And for the most part, they were only playing with two down linemen. Now, they might have been playing with a four-down lineman with their edge defenders at hands in the ground. But really, only about half of their snaps had more than one or two off-ball linebackers. And they were playing a lot of softer coverages, uh, quarters coverages, cover three, playing a lot to really try to keep the Raiders offense in front of them, which, you know, I mentioned before with the Giants offense, you know, both of these teams, so much of their passing attack was 10 yards or less. I think of Derek Carr's 46 passes, 33 of them were inside of 10 yards. That to me is kind of impressive, especially for a guy who had been averaging over eight air yards per attempt mm -hmm. you know, coming into this week. So 
I have to say kudos for to Patrick Graham for putting his guys in position to take away the strength of the Raiders offense. Yeah. It's tough to tell without access to the all 22 tape. Yeah. I didn't see anything the giants did in particular that really super frustrated the Raiders offense. I I didn't see any unique wrinkles that they hadn't done before, Mm -hmm. but just recognizing that without Henry Ruggs, they didn't have the, that deep, threat where the giants had to respect that to create extra room underneath in that seven to 10 yard range, you know, where guys like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller just eat defenses alive. So the giants didn't really have to generate a whole lot of pressure. They didn't have to really worry about getting beat deep too badly the the one time they really did Derek Carr overthrew Darren Derek Carr overthrew Darren Waller a bit of a tongue twister there <laughs> but really the Giants did a really a good job of like you said frustrating the Raiders offense and then just being there when they made mistakes mm-hmm. yeah being there for those opportunities to pick up a fumble or pick the ball off was, was very, uh, was very, very important for this victory. Chris, this is probably gonna be the least hot take that I could possibly throw out there. Um, but I can honestly guarantee that the giants are probably going to run the same exact approach when they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because as we know, top of Brady loves to stretch the field. He's got all these really talented receivers. He's got Gronk if he's healthy. Um, but the approach from that we've seen from them is to, to attack downfield, use those really talented receivers. And they kind of did that last year where like we saw against the Raiders where they, they kind of like told them, Hey, you can have this, the short area of the field, but we're going to cover everything deep. And they're probably going to do the same exact thing uh, come the game time when they, when they face off against the Bucks. Oh yeah. I would honestly be surprised if the giants didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> number one, I, I'm not sure if they've got anybody who could really match up in man coverage with Mike Evans. Uh, that's just because it's really tough for any cornerback to match up in man coverage with Mike Evans. That, in addition to having a catch radius approximate, approximately the orbit of the moon, yeah, he is big, he's athletic, and yeah, Brady is great at throwing his own receivers open. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if this game plan will work as well against the Buccaneers, partly because Brady has seen it before. Yeah, this. He has he saw the Giants last year with this defense, and he did not play well at all to start the game. But by halftime, he had Patrick Graham pretty much figured out. And you know that time the Raiders just—I'm sorry, the Buccaneers—pretty much just walked away with the game in the second half. Yeah, I think this will be the foundation of the Giants' defense going forward. But I, they're going to have to throw in a few wrinkles, at least for Brady. Yeah, certainly going to have to throw some stuff in there to uh, to throw him off a little bit, which is certainly tough to do against uh, Tom Brady. But, folks, that's going to be it from us. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date. We're going to be giving you some evaluation stuff uh, during the bye week, and then we're shifting our focus to Tampa Bay, and we will be previewing them the following week.